Welcome to I'm From the Internet, a podcast about somethingawful.com, the goons, and their consequences. I'm Chicago artist Winslow Dumain, and I'm sitting here with internet historian Jay Brandsetter. Jay, how have you been? Uh, I've been pretty good. It's been a pretty fun weekend for internet history with Elon really uh, really blowing the rollout of Twitter blue. There's been a lot of fun comparisons to past attempts at um, monetizing websites, including something awful. And I've just been having a lot of fun kind of watching uh, things fall apart around him and everyone just rightfully kind of gloating. So it's a great time for to be a hater on the internet. Oh, it's it's really like incredible how much life is happening in this like cadaver of a website like it's 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 really um surprising there's been so much wild shit happening on twitter uh, especially with like drill uh i don't know if drill started it but uh drill was uh, uh, definitely a main proponent of the uh block the blue uh hashtag that was going on if you're like totally unaware of what's uh like the culture of twitter uh, having a blue check mark used to mean that you were like a notable person in some capacity, even if you were like a big streamer or whatever. Uh, you know, like fucking Wolf Blitzer and you know Pokimane both have yeah. you know their, like, their blue. The check origin marks. of the blue check mark was that Twitter got sued by like a news person because they were being impersonated on Twitter. So their way of once after that, a part of the settlement was they had to have a way of showing that a person was actually the real person on the platform. So they introduced a blue check mark. The idea was that was, it was supposed to be just we've confirmed who this person is. It wasn't supposed to be any sort of sign of like status, but just because of how the reality of that is work, it mostly went to like journalists, athletes, politicians. So it, it, having one did become a mark of status, even though it wasn't supposed to be. And then he, Elon, uh, very severely fumbled uh, one of his well, one of his first things was to he's like I'm gonna even even the playing field I'm going to remove everyone's blue checks and then well no he first thing he did was uh, you can now pay for your blue check um, but people could see that you paid and so everybody just dunked on the people who paid because if you pay for a blue check like it promotes your tweets and so now the culture went from like like you know, arguably kind of stuffy, nerdy policy wonks having all of the blue checks to now every psychopath who, you know, drinks Elon's bathwater is paying for the blue check to like, you know, this is this is how they fight in the war against trans people or fucking whatever. And so uh, his rollout has been catastrophic. He is uh, struggling to get celebrities to pay for theirs. Um, he is privately paying for some celebrities to uh, have their blue check, which is very funny. You know a product is good when the CEO begrudgingly pays for it because celebrities don't even want it, you know? Yeah, which um, is very fun because then you get celebrities, like, really loudly denying that they paid for it. A really good one was, like, Lil Nas X was like, was, like, do not believe the Tesla van's lies or whatever in all caps. Yeah, like, just absolutely yeah. shutting him down every step of the way, which is very funny. Um, and, yeah, and, like, you know, Drill, you know, who's, like, king of posting, um, started this thing of uh, blocking the block the blue block everybody who paid for a check mark and it's just very very funny to see these people who like it it it's like they they made a a, a 
self-published shitty little fantasy book and it's not good. And they're like, well, actually, I'm not going to go through an editor. I'm just going to publish it directly because I want total creative control because I'm a creative genius. And then they like buy a shirt that says best-selling author. And then every morning they log in and they see that they've not sold any books. And they're like, why? I have the shirt that says I'm a best-selling author. This shirt is defective. You know, it's very like, cause there's these people with like, you know, a couple hundred to maybe a couple thousand to maybe several tens of thousands of followers that paid for their blue check mark, but because they also like bought followers, they're like not getting any traction on any of their posts, but then they see somebody who had like a grassroots like all of every single person that follows them likes what they have to say. But they, you know, they'll be like, why is this person getting so many more likes? This is clearly a rigged system. It's like, no, you're just not interesting. It's very funny. It, it's, it's, I, I described it as a website full of little brothers all <laughs> begging to, like, mom says you have to hang out with me. Mom says you have to think I'm cool. Like, as a little brother myself, it is excruciating to see these fucking nerds. And it really is fascinating because these are the type of people, yeah, it's like it's the worst posting I've ever seen. Like, oh, and, yeah. and because of the way it works, it's always right at the top because they get priority. So it really is just like people where I can't even tell what the joke is supposed to be. Like, you're seeing people making references to stuff from like the 90s. Like, it's like, you're, oh, it's, like yeah. it's like your boomer parents that still just think like quoting Dumb and Dumber is a joke or something like yeah, it's it, you know when you li- when you like are in a real office, um, one of the things that you'll notice is that men just pick a movie, and thirty percent of every interaction is just loudly quoting that movie. Like I, I you know I don't have a job anymore, um, but when I was at the office, there's dudes that are my age that like their whole thing is like, respect my authority, or, or oh, like, God, yeah. whatever, you know, or like Anchorman quotes. People who, like, genuinely talk in memes freak me the fuck out, <laughs> like, so much. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of, like, dweebs and fucking psychos. And so now, on every time, uh, you know, you used to not see terribly many blue checks, right? You know, they they were not super common because it's, you know, there's just not a whole lot of celebrities and not a whole lot of like esteemed journalists or, you know, people with enough social status to necessitate an actual valid blue check. Right. Um, And for the record, I don't think that, you know, the blue checks have always been dickheads and weirdos. Right. Um, The true posting comes from fucking Anon accounts. Uh, But now because Elon is boosting everybody who subscribed to the blue check mark it's like every major news post or every like a woman posts a, a, a cute picture of herself god forbid she has an only fans you know and then you look in the the comments and it's just these like seething shit swallowing mongoloids posting psycho shit and it, you have to scroll through all of the garbage to get to people 
responding earnestly to a thing. I've been seeing 9-11 truthers on my timeline for the first time crazy. in a long time. Yeah. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw one without actively seeking it out. I just went in the replies and saw a guy saying something psycho. The bio, it's like, hi, a retired engineer, 9-11 truther, okay. Huh. I, it's I think it's enough Twitter cr- for now. It's so crazy that there's people out there that think that 9-11 happened, you know, like, and that's what you're getting a lot with. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's what you're getting a lot with these blue checks. No. And so um, I've seen some interesting stuff on it. I've, I've, I have not done the thing where you get the app that blocks all the blue checks, but I also don't block like the psychos either because it's like, well, I kind of want like the warts and all I want to see the Sturm and Drang because all of us uh, in on, on the, the liberals and the Dems and the left and all of the people who um, like were so block friendly and trigger friendly with, with muting in 2014, 2015, 2016, there, there, it, there's a reason why so many people were just knocked on their ass by Trump winning. It's like, yeah, because you like, very actively built the bubble around you. And I don't want to do that. Like I, I think right wing psycho shit and I think all that Nazi stuff is fascinating. And so I, I don't block anybody. I mean, like I'll block some ads if I see them too many times or like, you know, fucking really creepy shit. I'll block it, whatever. But I, I, I kind of want to keep it, keep tabs on all of it, right? Yeah, like now that I, now that I actually have an audience, cause I actually want to. I'm thinking about like deleting my account and forming a new one or something. Because yeah, I have like an insane number of blocks active. And I'm getting like messages sometimes. People are like, why do you have me blocked on your main account? And I'm like, I don't know. It's probably some block list I forgot I followed five years ago or something. So I check the numbers, and it's like, yeah, way too many people are blocked. So I'm thinking I might just have to restart a new one or find a way to undo all that. Because yeah, and also I'm just oh. like, yeah, I definitely want to, um, you know, clear out some of that. I mean, I don't don't like delete your account. I think that a block list uh, there has to be some some way to automatically unfollow everything. I'm sure there's like a script or something uh, that and also, you know, because having a group of uh, what do you call it? Like just having having a follow is worth its weight in gold, you know, but we don't need to get into whole, all the influencer talk right now. Uh, that said, I did just hit 10K on my Instagram, Hell which yeah. is very small, but it is uh, very funny that, like, uh, I I am by no means an influencer. I just, you know, people follow me and like the shit that I post. And so I have, like, a certain, I, I don't know, it's, it's like a following, and it's it's nice, and I, I like to be able to talk to people like that. But, um when I was in Tulsa for the Oddities Expo, my the my back window got uh, broken out, and I just posted a story. I was just like, "Ah, oh, fuck, this sucks." Like, I don't have a job, and I'm ten hours from home. What the fuck am I gonna do? Um, and like, enough people donated that I just got a new window. Just tight. So yeah, long story short, keep your keep your uh, keep your account. You know. And I will say also speaking of Instagram, um, there's a little Instagram service called uh, ngl.me where you can like, it's like an anonymous question and answer thing, kind of like Curious Cat used to be. Uh, I signed up for it just because, you know, I don't have enough avenues of abuse for people to hurl at me anonymously. So I figured oh, why not? God. But I actually did. I posted on the Essay Moments Twitter account and I did get a lot of really good questions about like the forums past and present. So if you don't check out that account usually on Twitter, you know, take a look because that was pretty fun. There was stuff about like, 
people asking some good specific questions about, you know, that and the account. And also because I'm at the point where I'm thinking since I've kind of run out of stuff to post for Twitter, I'm thinking maybe I could do is I could start the process of all over again on another social media site, like maybe on co-host where I could do actual proper, like long form blog post. And that would be a good way of like continuing to keep all that knowledge fresh in my mind and like help me while I'm researching the show. So, and plus like help it find a new audience. So maybe, so that's if you, so if you go on there, you can vote on which one you want me to go to next. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, 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 as, as a, somebody who likes to be asked questions, um, I was going to say narcissist, but I think that everybody <laughs> likes to be asked questions. I've, I just recently, I've had two different people write grad school papers about me. Oh, which wow. Is very interesting. Um, that is really interesting. Yeah, I'll I'll be posting them as I, as I can. Hey, maybe um, that I, could be it. Maybe that could be a bonus episode as you're reading them or something. Yeah, no, that that could be a Patreon thing for sure. Um, if people fucking cannot get enough Winslow, uh, that's funny. But um, yeah, I, I don't know about posting one of the NGL things because I get in my head enough when people are like psycho and mean and say shitty things to me. Like, oh yeah, I I it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't freak me out or like cause me to go on like some rampage or whatever, but like it sucks, you know? <laughs> I will say I one nice thing about it is it does have like an AI filter or something that like blocks out any harassment. And so far it's been pretty good. I haven't gotten like anything really hateful. The worst I've got is like stuff that was phrased as questions, but was very obviously supposed to be like an insult towards me. Right, or like, yeah. well, there was one where somebody you didn't insult, but then at the end put "P.S. Love the podcast." Like, I don't know if that was genuine or just a way to get it passed. But either way, I was like, "I'll take it." <laughs> yeah, I mean that counts. I yeah. but I also have like my ex from fifteen fucking years ago. That's true. You it, do have stalkers. I uh, yeah. I don't. I just have some badgers. Right. I just have um, yeah. Who like yeah? My ex from like fifteen years ago still makes fake accounts to like harass me and shit like that but um you know that's just uh it's just the the curse of being this fucking cute man real anyways we have a couple things to say first last week we talked about um steve is broke who is uh, the guy who does the intro music to the show um and i believe the outro too and he uh, dropped a new album called You're Still Here. And uh, we, we love it. And I, I really enjoyed it. But then he uh, just like a couple days later uh, released a, a compilation of some of his other like odds and ends called Steve Pack One. And uh, I fucking love it. I'm a huge fan of this dude. And um, I, I strongly suggest anybody who's into like kind of lo-fi experimental beats and stuff like that to check him out on uh bandcamp because it's just uh it's just a lot of fun steve is broke.bandcamp.com give him a listen and jay you have some news about a patreon yes and also i i forgot to mention this in the last episode um but because people in the past have requested it we decided to I make the plunge and i've made together i made us a patreon for the show it's at patreon.com slash ifti pod that's ifti as in i'm from the internet and pod is in podcast and uh the way it's set up is every week in addition to the regular episode we're going to be putting out a premium episode as well it's probably going to be split up the same way as the regular ones where if we record an extra long one we'll cut up in like hour long chunks but 
you know, that way you'll be getting a bonus episode along with the regular one if you pledge at $5 a month or more. And uh, the way Winslow wants it to be split up, he says um, he doesn't need the money, he said, so it's going to be split between me and Steve. But, um, you know, I'm definitely going to be, you know, keeping some handy just in case we did. But this is going to be just, you know, a way of supporting the show. And, you know, you've talked about my money problems in the past, so this will definitely help out with that. I'm at the point where, you know, every donation helps. And also the bonus show I'm really looking forward to doing because it's uh, going to be still, I'm from the Internet. We're still going to be talking about the Internet and Internet-adjacent stuff. We are freeing ourselves from the shackles of somethingawful.com. We are going to be talking about the entirety of the Internet and Internet history and things that are adjacent to Internet history, things that maybe didn't involve the Internet directly but influenced it in the future, the people that would go on to make it. Uh, the first one that we did together was recorded last week where we talked about the first time a smiley face was ever used online as a way of uh, denoting that a post was a smile, and it happened in 1982. So, like, that's how far back we're going. Uh, the first episode ever was a solo I did about a 90s gaming comic called Johnny Turbo, which uh, has some influence on Internet culture, but also is where my last name comes from, Brandstetter. So if you ever wanted to learn the uh, origin of that, then that's where you can hear about that. And also you get to hear me do a bunch of funny voices because I read, like, a 90s comic book out loud. Yeah, and, it's it's go ahead. Yeah, you know, see, and you know, gotten some good feedback about it. Also, I really appreciate all the nice comments on the question and answer thing as well. Just, it's always really cool to hear people. Rec- also, uh, I want to give a shout out to Warlocracy. They're a YouTuber I like. Uh, they're Russian, and they play like they sort of do like classic style let's plays where they play through the game and like narrate it and you know talk about it. Because they do it with like Russian language games, but they do it in English. So that's a great way. I wonder about like a Deus Ex expansion. I've never gotten to play. They did one about this like really horrible like right wing Russian role playing game about like America invading Russia. And you playing as a survivalist and having him kind of like riff on it was very was very fun. He sounds like a really cool accent. So yeah, shout out to that because he he uh, he followed me on Twitter, message and said he's a fan of the podcast. So that's really cool. I think it's because he's a goon. I, that too. Yeah, well, we will keep the um, something awful to the main pod, but we will be discussing all sorts of other weird shit on the Patreon stuff. You know, it's just kind of odds and ends in the back. It also sets sets it behind a paywall. We're a little more relaxed and open on it because it's just like we know, like, you know, the real enthusiasts are following because we don't have to worry too much about as being like focused in general audience. So kind of different vibes. Fully nude. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we pop the tops off for the Patreon. It's like that yeah. one Red Hot Chili Peppers album. It's just like socks only. Yeah, we just just covering up the hogs. That's all. Well, Jay, what have you got for me today? All right, yeah. So today, I guess uh, to open, I guess my little question I have is: so I know you're, I know you're a gamer because you do work with the mayor of Silent Hill and everything. But what's your True. relationship with Japanese role playing games like Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest? I know about Final Fantasy, but I don't like know what it's about. I just know that it like it has had like fifty fucking games and then sub games and then like their sequels have sequels so there'll be like Final Fantasy eight two or some shit. And I don't know. I it sounds like a lot of the storyline is just about as comprehensible as like Kingdom Hearts, you know? So yeah, I, I'm I'm aware of it. I never got into it. Okay, cool. Because this one is about someone who this is about someone who made one of those games, and you don't have to know about those types of games to appreciate how weird and funny this is. But if you are, there's like a little extra bit. So I'll have to, I'll be sure to explain some bits to you if you might need them. But today I'm going to be telling you the story of the Demon Rush and uh, Dragoon Entertainment. 
So um, this is going to be a fun story about a goon game developer, and this is one where it has a good happy ending. This isn't just dunking on someone who makes something that's not cool. But anyways, it's going to be really interesting. And a little twist on this one, I didn't have access to my account when I made the document for this, so the word filter is still in place. Have I ever told you about Something Awful's word filter? Uh, I think you've mentioned it, and I am familiar with it. Like, uh, fuck is replaced by gently caress. Yeah, for, for new listeners, basically, if you're not logged in, it changes all the swear words to, like, replacement words, because that way when advertisers look at the website, there's no swear, so they'll pay more for banner ads. That's like a, that's the original reason they did it, and it's just in place now because they can't really figure out how to undo it, I think, because the that's code is that so bad. funny. It's like cube. Nobody knows how the fucking website works. That is, yeah, yeah, that's a great metaphor for it. Radium's code really is just like cube. It's more like cube zero. It's not even good enough to be cube. It's it's hypercube. Hypercube, yeah. But yeah, so this is about, uh, this was posted in the game subforum on July 26th of 2008 at 4.33 in the afternoon. And the thread title is The Demon Rush, Independent 2D PC RPG from North of the Border. And uh, they also bought a banner ad to promote it. So right away, this is someone who's very serious about what they're making. And um, before we go into this, I do want to set up a little, for people who are listening who are a little more knowledgeable about something awful, this is sort of a Zyborn clock situation, where this is someone making a, a, a thing that is, like, very badly made in a very funny way. So some of that is going to be the, the humor of this. So we're definitely going to be laughing at some of their creations going in, just letting you know. But it, this isn't like this isn't the Zyborn clock. This is just sort of similar to it. So anyways, we're hoping the, the OP is named the D first off, which is very funny. Just the D. The D, of course. And uh, they, they post their opening where they say, what is the Demon Rush? The Demon Rush is an independent two-dimensional RPG created by Dragoon Entertainment in 2008. Note, the Demon Rush contains coarse language and pixelated blood and gore. Is there anyone who cares about that? Yeah, you're on the Something Awful forums in, in like, 2008. Like, read the room. Like, I, I, I'm not going to be the guy who's, like, yelling about trigger warnings or anything, but, like, yeah. if I see trigger warning gore or like coarse language i cannot imagine i mean like if you're watching a video of like actual people and it says trigger warning gore yeah i'm gonna click off of it. i don't need to see that right but if it's pixels who gives a shit i don't know i don't know just little uh <laughs> like content warnings have been around forever so it's it's not necessarily uh i just thought it was interesting that we would have a content warning, but I guess we've been doing that for a while. Yeah, I do think it's kind of like, yeah, the person who's right there, they are kind of full of themselves. That's the thing about that. And then I feel like, oh, yes, be careful. This might be a little right. a little too edgy for you. <laughs> yeah. God, fuck. Before we even get into that, uh, yeah. there was uh, this indie Silent Hill spinoff game on Steam called Cry of Fear. It's so bad. I despise this game. Uh, I... Wish no ill on the creators of it, but I, I it's uh, really terrible. But uh, they had an intro splash screen that said, like, this game is so dark and so fucked up that it might make you lose your mind and kill yourself. <laughs> Be careful when playing it, because it will break you. It's like, and it was, <coughs> like, made in the fucking Half-Life engine. And, <coughs> sorry, it's terrible like it's it's so fucking bad so i i do love the like the the using a content warning as a part of the marketing of it it's like when they made that gaudy movie and and they 
the ads for it because the reviews were fucking terrible. Oh god, yeah, and the, the review the and the reviews were like the movie they don't want you to see, and it's like who? Who's they? <laughs> Is the Jewish cabal out to get John Travolta? <laughs> really, him? After oh everything god, yeah. he's been through. Oh yeah, no, that was just peak like Trump having just like like fuck what they fuck what the other people say, trying to just get into like the pure contrarian market. Right. Yes. Anyways, the plot. I'm just gonna say that warning is gonna be especially funny when you actually see this game's graphics. I'm just gonna let you know. So okay. So the plot. The story revolves around a war between humans and demons called the Demon Rush that has spanned three years up to the present time. The city of Tyriad on Earth may have a breakthrough that can lead to the end of the war. The first spacecraft created in the MeToo system, the SS Pursuit. With this spacecraft, a new power may be found in MeToo that can lead to the end of the Demon Rush. However, the mission goes awry, and two Tyradian soldiers are stranded on a distant planet. Dot, dot, dot. So, just gibberish. Just, yeah, just that's, word salad. That's like a Markov chain of so many different ideas happening. Like, one of the things I always think about the stories when you're writing them is, is just like, think of the plot, think of the most interesting part of the plot, and the story takes place there. Don't place it anywhere else. And also, your your storyline should be like, there, there's just so much shit going on in this first paragraph. But also, you know, every do good, go on. Every great every great novel starts with the story revolves around right, <laughs> just, right, right. Yeah. And I'm gonna go, you know, ahead of time. I skipped all the stuff in this where it talks about stats and gameplay stuff because it's really boring. And I'm gonna have a little video at the end that will tell us all we need to know about the gameplay. So this is what he starts. So after the plot, he introduces the characters. Now I'm gonna say the names of the characters in this are incredible. Several of them are like intrusive thoughts in my head to this day. So this is these are gonna be some great names. Okay, so characters: Sherry Venus. <laughs> Colonel of the Tyriadian Sky Corps, she has earned a reputation of being both reckless and a workaholic. Her parents died in a car, both reckless and a workaholic. Yeah, that, those two <laughs> qualities don't necessarily go together. She's, uh, she's, both, she's both intense and extreme. Yes, <laughs> well, I, well, it's also like she's a perfect, a reckless perfectionist, which is like, I, I guess you can like recklessly ignore a deadline. Because you're a perfectionist, but reckless and a workaholic is... Reckless people are reckless because they want to work less, right? They want to just get the thing done immediately and, like, in the less safe way. Fuck it, dude. We are, like, two sentences into this goddamn story. <laughs> yeah, This yeah. podcast is four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, this is her. This is her writing her, uh, doing her interview where she's lying to try to make herself look good. Where she's forgetting exactly. her lies. Yeah. Okay. Her parents died in a car accident when she was young, and this fuels her desire to protect people. Okay. Y- yeah, I guess that, so, you know, from car accidents. That, that sure suppose. is strong female protagonists. Yeah. And also, yeah. You can see this little pixel art of her if you want to just describe the quality of it it's, oh it's it's uh it looks like she's the well i don't know if the the gender of the person that made it doesn't really matter but uh it looks like they started with an emoticon and then gave her like straight red hair and then like regular army guy fatigues and then little boots and she's holding a sword but it's like the pixel art can be like outstanding and gorgeous and really evocative um and this is not that 
Yeah, this has very strong MS Paint energy. Like the lines feel uh -huh. like they were done with MS Paint's pencil tool. And I say that as someone who's seen a lot of of, of uh, badly made pixel art in my time. And also, right. there's like no perspective or whatever. And she, she's kind of like lopsided a little. Just there's like a lot well, of classic an enormous head. Yeah. yeah, very big. She kind of like brat stall proportions. And also, yes. she's holding a sword out that is exactly like one pixel thick. It's like a Minecraft sword. Right. Yeah. So here we go. The, the next character is just Knight. Quiet and calm, he is a mysterious man with a horn covered in armor. Knight comes to the rescue of Cherry and Alberto. He has a tremendous dedication to his god, Theus. Okay, I mean, one, I do like that Cherry Venus is like, you know, you can write a good character, like a good woman character where you just take a perfect saint and then beat the fuck out of her. You know, like you, you take this this flawless, innocent person and then you damage her psychologically and that's how you make a strong character like that's kind of a, a weird way of doing it. it's a very simple way of doing it it's like when they rebooted uh tomb raider and it was just like six to eight hours of videos of laura getting just the absolute snot beaten out of her and it's like oh man i thought the whole idea of being like a strong character was the avoiding of Getting snot beaten out. I, strong characters should be filled with all of the snot that has not been beaten out of them, you know? But Knight is uh, just, uh, he looks like he's got a little unicorn horn. He's wearing some sort of like, oh, uh, looks like sci-fi-ish suit of armor. And it also looks like he's holding a mop. And I do like that his tremendous dedication is to a god named Theus, which is very clearly just, like, a god named God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, the, the god named Placeholder. Yes. All right, next up, Alberto Mundesold. Vulgar and blunt, Alberto is generally regarded by his fellow Skycore soldiers as a jerk. He is also pretty sarcastic, as can be seen by his conversations with his best friend, Cherry. His girlfriend, Amy, was killed at the start of the Demon Rush. So, spoiler alert, at the, in, the, in the character bio, but... Uh, yeah. His character art is... Uh, it looks like if you wanted to make an emoticon that was dressed like the uh, girl from Resident Evil 4... Does that make sense? You're right. It does, it does look yeah. like very Ashley. It's like it's like a very yeah. androgynous Ashley. Yeah, because he has uh, like abs. You know, being vulgar and blunt, you'd expect him to have like stubble, and he doesn't care, and he's like clearly got some masculinity to him. But he's just this tiny, tiny, tiny little pixel guy who's wearing a sleeveless orange shirt and little green pants, and he's holding what I I'm just gonna say is a coffee can. I don't cuz there's no way of knowing what he's holding at this point. Yeah, like I don't think he's supposed to have like both of his fists up at the same time and the perspective just sucks. But yeah, it looks like he's like holding just like a can or like a flashlight that's off. Yeah, all right. these are posed very awkwardly. Right. Here we go. Claire Culpa, a polite and serious young woman, Claire has learned the arts of war at age 16. Unfortunately for the rest of the team, she seems to be working for the enemy. Again, that's giving away a lot. Um, and <laughs> I didn't even look at the pixel art until now, but uh, this one is even clumsier than the rest. Uh, it is, again, a little emoticon face. 
Um, you know, the eyes are two pixels, one white and one black. Again, with the straight hair. Um, holding a even shorter one pixel sword out, wearing like a green shirt and then some sort of gr- uh, blue shorts. Um, I don't know. Uh, seems to be working for the enemy. I don't know. Uh, uh, listeners, if you've ever been involved in like an interspecies war that was like threatening the fate of humanity, if somebody seemed to be working for the enemy, um, did you like just suspect them or did you like kind of try to find it out? Because if you're like suspected of like cosmic level treachery, I feel like they they would take that seriously. And she is a polite and serious young woman. So maybe that's why she became serious. Also 16. So that's interesting also 16, choice. which is a very young age to learn all of war. Yeah, she read all of Alexander the Great. Get fucked. Sixteen is the new twenty-five. Here you go. My favorite name: Brooks Crack Tackle. Okay, that is a kind of a dope name. I guess it is <laughs> Brooks Crack Tackle. What a what a great name. Okay, a soldier of the Pale Army, spelled P A E L. Brooks lost everything when the demon rush began, and the depression that followed caused him to be demoted due to his increasingly poor performance. However, when the Pale Army pairs him up with Jimmy, he may learn something key about the Demon Rush, which may give him his shot at vengeance. And the pixel art for him was lost in this part, but we'll get to see him later. But yeah, just, just Brooks Crack Tackle. That is just, just something I kind of like, just, I hum it sometimes, just remember that song, it's like Brooks Crack Tackle. Oh, it's such a it, good name. It does sound like a, a, a nice Christmassy chocolate that you get, you know, once a year. <laughs> Did you bring the crack tackle? Of course I brought the crack tackle. <laughs> it's a <laughs> family, re- family recipe of famous Brooks crack tackle. Have yourself a crack tackle day, ma'am. Ah, uh, God, it, it's... What's that? The crapulent? I don't know. Some, some Simpsons reference will fit in there later. All right, and next. Jimmy. Jimmy is kind of like a typical RPG hero. Young, dark past... Odd clothing, special powers, etc. He also happens to be fairly optimistic and flamboyant at times, though he is still serious about his mercenary work. He has worked with the Pale Army as a mercenary for years, and on a recent mission, he discovers that his past can come back to haunt him. I mean, describing your own character as, like, a typical RPG hero (laughs) is very funny. It's like, I mean, if anybody ever asked me what my book is about, and I'm just like, ah, you know, it's a book. It's got a story in it, uh, consecutive words and sentences. You know, it's just the main guy's got the main guy stuff, uh, inner workings and uh, conflict and resolution. You know, it's, it's, it's got a story in it. 100% of story. Yep. It's just a typical novel plot. Yeah, it's, it's well, what's the plot like? It's a plot, you know. It's sequential. Things happen. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah, we we know nothing about him. He is all things. He is young, dark past, odd clothing, which uh it could be a lot of things. Um and optimistic and flamboyant. I don't know, man. What what are we supposed to say about this kid? He's got nothing going on. Yeah. 
Also, I will say, since you've never played a Final Fantasy game, Jimmy is basically just the main character for Final Fantasy VII, Cloud Strife. Like, everything about this. Him, oh, being, a, yeah. him being a mercenary without knowledge of his past. Him being, him being dark but flamboyant. Like, those, that, this is just Cloud Strife. I mean, without... Cloud Strife, what a fucking name. No, no, so you want to hear about names. This did make you remember something I need to mention if we're going to talk about Final Fantasy. So, when I was a teenager, I had multiple wall scrolls of Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII hanging in my room. That was, like, my dumb teenage nerd thing, was I just fucking loved Final Fantasy VII, and Sephiroth was my favorite character. Do you know who Sephiroth is? Uh, he's got a really long sword. Yeah, he, the, the guy he, with the, the guy with the long platinum hair with like the sword that's like sixteen feet long, and he's always just like he, brooding and psycho, and he's just like yeah, yeah. He's like a real yeah. The, always talks about his mom. Well, there's that tweet that goes around <laughs> about like how if uh, you disagree with a man on the internet, he'll just start talking to you like Sephiroth. Exactly. Just, yeah, he'll just go on these like bizarre dramatic monologues. Um, Especially, like, uh, Jenny Nicholson had some some variation on that, which is, is very funny. And plus, it had, like, an extra dimension for me, too, because he is, like, super flamboyant, and there's, like, a huge uh, huge contingent of, like, the Slash community is based around, like, him as, like, being, like, an icon of, like, hooking him up with, like, Cloud or whoever. So it was kind of, like, a gay crush thing, too. Just, like, oh, this big... I, I don't know why, but I really like having this big anime guy on my wall. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> So moving on from that, and then after that, so those are the characters, and then he finishes. The full version also contains an optional minigame called Rope Range, where you hang from a rope at great height and have to shoot several targets. The demo and full version are available here, www.dragoon.ca. I hope you enjoy this game. So the game is $20 on his website. So he doesn't mention that in the page, but you go to the there, it's 20 bucks. Yeah, that's a little bit much. What was twenty dollars worth in two thousand and eight? Let's look. Fourteen thousand dollars. That's a lot for a video game. Because yeah. like the the minimum wage was, uh, they were still paying you in, in dried corn. So yeah, this was back before the financial crash. Right. It was a hundred corns for a penny, and then oddly enough, the pennies were actually worth two half pennies, which makes sense. But they were heavier to do it that way, right? Anyways, very good. Uh, so we have Bravo. twenty dollars for the game, and the first responses are not good. Yeah. So four minutes later, the first reply: What in the world is going on here? Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, this so this is, is a, a screenshot a of the game. Okay, let me take you through it. So it's there's there's really okay. I could explain here, it to I you. A, pixel I have a bigger pixel. version here okay, for you. Cool. Um, if you're not a video game person, this might not make a lot of sense, but this is like, uh, the classic final fantasy thing where you have a monster on one side of the screen, characters on the other, and then it is just turn-based. You're not, you know, these games you wouldn't necessarily see in animation. Um, you are just picking attacks and then there's like a random number generator that tells you whether or not you hit. Right. Um, so on the, the entire field that they're playing on, because there's three characters here, is all a uniform color of brown. And uh, on the left side, presumably, is the monster that they're facing. And it uh, looks like a little spaceship 
with a little periscope coming out. And the spaceship has little feet and has a little yellow health bar. Uh, between them, uh, there is a all-black character with, like, no face at all. It's just got a hat and shoes and some sort of pencil for an arm, and it's wearing a cape, and it's just kind of walking. And then further to the right, there is a uh, hard-to-describe, but uh, very bad, like, uh, manga 101 little pixel art character wearing kind of like a olive adventurer's fedora, clearly holding some sort of sword. You can't really see because they have a pink health bar, a white-yellow health bar, and then a green energy health bar. And they're wearing, like, again, olive drab shorts, maybe, because underneath that they have what looks like black pants. But that wouldn't make sense because they have brown shoes. So it's hard to tell if those are, like, tights or leggings or if they're... Or, I guess, if we're kind of taking a note from the previous character, or if they're un selected uncustomized state is to be like a black body uh and so they just have yet to do anything that would tell the game to give the player legs and they seem to be throwing some sort of gray lines at the little robot character that's what's happening in the field beneath it you have the name of the robot character which is 10 capital M's and it's just mmm and that you have it's the amount of health it has and it's <laughs> it, MP beneath it and then your choices are attack, twister, magic move, item, defend and escape but yeah truly what the fuck is going on here because look I know like look uh, pixel art I it's it's it can be hard to defend because it is, like, the nerdiest possible fucking thing. But, like, when done well, like Stardew Valley, uh, you know, or fucking, like, Wario or any of that shit, like the earlier Wario games, they can have really rich environments created pixel by pixel. And that's really cool. This is just a, a bunch of, like, placeholders fighting in a sea of brown. <laughs> it's not good. Again, $20. Yes, this, twenty yeah, American. This isn't dollars. like something like a kid made that they're sharing. A down payment on a house in the year of two thousand and eight. Yes, that's how much my 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 prepaid college was from Florida back then. <coughs> yes, yeah, so then also this didn't show up in them because of the lost images, but this was a promotional <coughs> screenshot for the game. So this is this wasn't even like a guy, the guy didn't even like go in and give it a funny name. This is a promo screenshot for the game. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then also, so then after that, we have. Uh, Mongolian Queef says, gently caress that. What's going on here? And their image is their little placeholder art of the main character, Cherry Venus, holding onto a perfectly straight rope in a flat blue sky surround with, with a few fluffy turd-like clouds aiming a gun. And there's clearly like a buzzsaw floating in the air. And then there's like a little target that you can see. It's it's all extremely dull. Like they started with a one color background and then just added a couple things and they called it a day. Yeah, it looks it's very dull. Very flat, very low effort, very MS Paint core. Yeah. Yes. That had some more question. I mean, it's more runs. You can't be serious asking money for this. 
this is your first screen. And then they post. (laughs) 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 Oh, this rips, dude. Oh, God. This is like, this is like seeing a boom mic in a, you're watching a movie and you see the boom at the top of the screen from like the guy holding it. And then the next screen or the next scene, you like hear the producer mumbling and they just forgot to cut it out of the final movie. And now we're at the scene where (laughs) there's the main characters having bad dialogue, but you can see the cameraman fully in the mirror filming the movie and they just released it anyway, because the first screen of the game is these three exceedingly dull pixel characters that are even smaller and less detailed than they were at the start of it. And they are in a gray and white checkerboard room, which is the placeholder that Photoshop uses (laughs) for when you are like creating a new transparent image to tell you like you don't have text or you don't have anything here. Um, And so they, they didn't even put a background on this, which is amazing because the previous screens, the backgrounds was just brown and then blue. They didn't even give us that. It's also an enormous, completely unadorned room. You start the game in a rectangle, featureless and abstract. And I imagine that when your your main character, Cherry Venus, who's also here with Knight and then the Alfredo fella, when they walk, they just all follow you in a straight line like uh, the Pokemon Yellow with the Pikachu. You right? know it. Oh, perfect. I fucking, I got that one clocked coming in. Yeah, like, as someone who spent a couple, who is as a teenager is really an RPG maker, this is just, like, your default temp room that you start with. This is, yes. There's an X on the right and X on the bottom. And, yeah, just, like, uh, the fact that it's that color is, oh, uh, yeah. Also, and one of the doors doesn't even work. <laughs> oh, that rules. God, it, it makes me think of, like, back in the day, I think Schmorky or somebody had, they had, like, some sort of point and click adventure game on like the flash tub. Oh yeah. Uh, which was the flash tub was one of the most enjoyable parts of the website on something awful, which was just like weird little flash animations. And I, I, I seem to recall games every once in a while, but like this one was just like intentionally unbelievably like frustrating and stupid. Like it was point and click adventure. So you like, you click on an item and you pick it up and then you have to find the thing that it's for. Uh, but your character will like comment on whether or not you can use it for the thing. And there's just a locked door and there's a key and you pick it up. And then if you click the door, it goes, Nope, can't use that. Nope. Uh, uh-uh, can't use that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. And I would just be like, am I f- going fucking insane? <laughs> yes. So, uh, this is already, I live in fear of my shit getting posted on delusional artists on Reddit because I know that some of my early stuff wasn't great or whatever. Um, And, you know, maybe you don't like what I do now. Fine by me. But this is one of those things where it's like at least all of my prices on my art are reasonable. 
right? I'm not charging $20, you know? Yeah, that too. Like, I put a little note here, like, to give some context for this. Like, this is the summer of 2008, and, like, a big piece of, like, gaming news at the time was that uh, the, the game Braid came out, which kind of, like, kicked off the big oh, indie yeah. craze. And one of the big controversies with that was that it was $20 at launch, but up until that point, $15 has always been, like, the upper limit of, like, an indie game on Xbox Live. So that right. was, like, a controversial amount of money for, like, a polished game by a studio to put out. And so, or like by like a, by like a group of guy people to put out. So for this one guy, for this like very MS Paint ass game to be like twenty dollars, yeah. Like I edited out so much arguing out game prices just to, just to let you know how big of a sticky point that was. And and also like the the competition. While we are talking about indie games, we're not talking about you know Mortal Kombat or or you know Call of Duty or whatever. Um, indie games can be fucking incredible like polished to an insane degree like i mean fucking binding of isaac uh, obviously for one of them it was i don't know it was probably around out this time at least it was a flash game around this time yeah and it, it just had like a stupendous amount of content and thoughtfulness put into it and so to see something like this is is just like imagine if you bought a book at a bookstore and then one of the chapters was just the notes the author wrote to themselves to remind them to write a missing chapter, you know, and they were just like, yeah, well, we're going to charge full price anyway, because I want fucking I want the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or I guess like to give a good example of a game from this time, uh, this is on the t- this is after um, Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden came out, which is a really good uh, freeware RPG that was made by Chef Boyardee, who is a goon and some other people. And it's actually funny. A lot of the graphics are stolen from other games, but it's a really funny way that they use it all, and it's free. It has good original music. It's like an actual fun game, and it was totally free. So that's another example. Like, why would you pay all this money for this bad RPG when you could play a good one for free right now? Yeah, it's it's very funny when you have to compare yourself to the others going on. That's why I, I try very, very hard not to. I mean, I'm working on a card game right now, right? And I know that there are other people who are like extremely gifted uh, people in the world of gaming. And I know that there are tens of thousands of other people who are like far better artists than me. And so what I bring to the table is not that I'm not going to bring you like the greatest work of like incredibly detailed art. I'm going to bring you something in very fresh and full and huge. And it's done by just one dude, you know? Yeah. Or like, I guess um, and it is also extremely detailed, but I just mean like, I'm not going to give you like a hyper realistic super, like it's not, yeah. it doesn't look like magic. The gathering. That's not what people it, come to you for. Right. You know, like I've always, I see like the crazy, super gorgeous art all the fucking time. At, like, every anime convention, at every, like, art convention I go to, I see people who can do really, really, really beautiful, realistic-looking art. And this is not a slight against them. It bores me, bro. And then I'm looking through David Lynch's book, uh, Someone Is In My House, where he just has these, like, graphic, primitive, crude drawings with eerie names and, like, that reaches me like it's so evocative um 
we're on a totally different topic right now, but you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's a like, good one, though. I totally yeah. agree with you, yeah. Or, like, to put this kind of person, like, like with games, I'm at the same way, like, with indie games, whenever I see an indie game that has, like, really good polished graphics, that doesn't really impress me anymore. To me, that just says, oh, they had a big enough budget to hire some good artists. Like, exactly. that's kind of sweet. Whereas if I see something that's very interesting and weird, like, that's one of the, and honestly, it's one of the things that's kind of, like, given me more confidence to start making my own, like, illustrations and game stuff. Like, I haven't really started releasing any of it, but it's been fun, because it's, like, I really like the stuff I make now, like if someone else was doing it, I'd be into it now because I kind of have an appreciation for stuff that isn't super polished or whatever stuff. That's more of like a unique sort of flavor of love. And I think that's why it's kind of helpful to put, to let people know about that because it does help more people make that kind of stuff. Cause I think a lot of people have some sort of creative side to them like that, but they never really want to tap into it. Cause they're, you know, they're like, who would I show this to? Or I would just get made fun of or whatever. So I feel like when people know that, that there's an audience for that is always a good thing to do. Yeah. Like, like Henry Darger, is so fucking interesting like a self-taught lunatic artist who created just breathtaking eerie disturbing works of art and did it in total anonymity fantastic people who have learned how to draw explicitly realistic attractive retail ready art not so much in my opinion you know i mean like it's there's different stuff for different people but like I want art that's going to be creepy and fucked up and weird and make me feel unnerved and learn something about like the different levels of fear. And, and, uh, and you can kind of feel uh, more intimately your own feelings and learn more about the things that make you feel certain emotions when it is a very nuanced take on art, when it's, when it's not just like, Two people kissing in the rain. We get it. It's romantic. It's been done. But like a very nuanced, thoughtful take on what makes a character charming is just so much more interesting to me. Yeah. Like if I want to see like a realistic portrait of like a bunch of frowning people in black and white and then like a smiling person in color, like that's like often surrounded by them or whatever, or like, Ooh, a bunch of people looking at the phone, but it's like, well, check it out. The phone is around their neck because like they're prisoners to it. Like I have enough, I have enough cell phones, bad artwork to to last me a lifetime. I I want new, new stuff, even if it isn't because that's a technical skill is just a skill. Like it's just like a level of progression that like, you know, I feel like not anyone can learn it, but it's kind of something where it's just like you see it. Like eventually, you stop being you know impressed by it because you realize it's just something anyone can kind of you know do with enough you know enough practice and devotion. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So on top of that, so this could have been better, is what we're saying. Yeah. You can find us on IFTIPod on Twitter. You can find us. Uh, you can find me specifically on Twitter at Winslow Dumain. And on Instagram, I'm at Calculations. I'm still posting updates on the uh, card game and things like that. I also have uh, a bunch of new uh, designs coming out that I haven't announced yet because I'm still making things. I'm spending the the summer doing shows, um, like doing like expos and stuff like that all over the country. If you want to know more about that, you just go to my website and I have a little tour section where you can see all the dates. I'm going to be in Indianapolis soon and New Orleans and so on. We have the Patreon. If you want to support us on the Patreon, that would be very cool. Uh, all the money really goes to Steve and Jay. If you want to support me, I have my entire website and all of the uh, things that I make. And you can just buy something from there, and I will appreciate it. I'm still doing the Chaos Packs, where you give me $30, and I'll send you $40 of things that I make 
as well as just a few random things from my apartment. So there's a good chance you'll get some uh, some very strange shit hidden in your uh, in yeah, your the image your for bag. the chaos pack on your website's very funny. You went to the trouble of getting a picture of a sock and putting it in there. I thought that was really good. <laughs> yeah, it's like a sock and a spoon and then some art and stuff. So you yeah. know, you never know what you're gonna get. All right, yeah. And then for me, I'm I'm still on Twitter. At Jay Brandstetter, uh, you know, still on YouTube is there. Um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm still doing just my my Florida Man series. It's pretty fun. The last one was about why uh, Florida's license plate has two oranges on it instead of one. It's a pretty funny story, and it's like two minutes long. So yeah, check it out. And then uh, also, I might have another show coming out soon. I've been uh, I, I'm I won't say it too much until it comes out. But it's going to be like a local issues one that I'm going to be putting out on my personal thing. It's, it's neat to kind of have you know just kind of spread that out a little bit more, especially on top of all this, but. I'm, I'm excited, but this show has been doing fantastic. I'm really enjoying the research for it, and I've got some more fun episodes lined up next time. So, uh, you know, until the next episode. I'm from the Internet is created by Jay Brandstetter and Winslow Domain, edited by Steve Brown, music by Steve Isbroke. 